Welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alec. We have another special guest with us. We've had before, but not on tape. We have the wonderful Laura Nicole. Hi, it's me. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yes, we've had her before. Audio got corrupted, and uh, now she's back. Better than ever. <laughs> Tell I'm us about it. yourself. Hi. Uh, well, I'm Laura Nicole. I'm an artist and a producer and all kinds of creative things that I do on the internet and beyond. And I'm so happy to be here. So what I want to talk about today with Lauren is that it's the topic of character death. And since our last conversation, my character died again in the same campaign. So uh, it's pretty, uh, oh no, pretty fresh wound again. Uh, not, not about it. That's um, rough, buddy. I'm sorry. It's okay. I guess I'll tell you guys about what happened. And then kind of like my feelings toward it. And then we'll just jump to everybody else real quick. So my main guy, my first character in this West March campaign, which for those who do not know what West Marches is, it's this weird collective of everyone just like waiting for the DM to be ready and then just signing up for a time slot with them. And there's multiple people like right now in the game, what we have, we have like 25, 35 potential players. I think the max he's gone is to six. Uh, at one time but everyone just kind of waits around says whenever he's ready and then everyone just signs up for the time slot which is really cool so my first guy who got to level six died and then the next day i'm like fine whatever in the middle of the night i fixed up another character and the next session that guy died unfortunately for me it was like he rolled 18 nat 20s that game so somebody was definitely gonna go down very unfortunate that's like a statistically a lot of nat 20s though right yeah. i'm not like crazy and thinking that's a lot it was a lot and we all cried that's a lot was he the same level did you start at the same level as your previous character no i started at three back down to okay, three. okay well that could be a problem too yes and like two characters died that round too some Yikes. monster that can kind of large like octopus arms and a blink spell on him oh. so as a legendary action oof, it was a toughie anyway so I had made the character with the intention of not having any feelings because I was already still kind of like heartbroken about my first character. And even doing that, I like once he died again, I was still kind of hurt. And I'm like, but why? Like I, I didn't put any effort into his backstory other than like the mental notes I had. And I still felt for that character. And I just like, maybe, maybe the West Marches aren't for me because like, character death is really like easy in that game because it's all just a bunch of tables and random number generators that kind of create the encounter in front of you so i just i don't know i was heartbroken i was a little angry to be honest and i just didn't i don't know i just felt hurt and i know he wasn't like gunning after me or anything it just so happened that i died but after a while i kind of kind of came back i'm like you know whatever but like maybe because i feel this way maybe this game type isn't for me. I want to create a story. I want to have some sort of big, extravagant uh, experience and kind of flesh out the character I have. And I guess I just didn't feel like I was getting that after two character deaths. But I think that's okay. And I haven't played with him, but I've kind of like hung around. But me and him are still good. We're so, I don't know. I think it's okay to kind of like walk away from the table and say like, this isn't for me kind of thing. 
Well, I think that's taking into consideration what type of character player you are, right? I'm with you. I don't know if I would want to do the one-offs because I do get invested in characters, but I think if like somewhere to give me a character and be like, hey, you play this, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm just like picking up these spells and like I'm going to throw them at whomever, but I don't have the backstory. I didn't create that any sort of character development or like not even I didn't have time to like daydream about it. Right. So like if I'm building it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I did this. And then like, maybe they're a bounty hunter. And then I would think about that even just building and I would still make that connection. So I think, I think I'm there with you. I want an epic story. I don't want a one-off where someone's going to kill my character. Yeah. I don't fully, I don't really, I'm not sure about the whole like West Marches thing. Like I don't, is it different from is it just it's just the type of game you're playing? Like it's just it's it's a type of D&D game, right? It's just like the style? Yes, it's a type of style. Um because like he took like so the guy who made it, he took 6 days just fully like focused and he made like four or five different areas and tables of monsters, a table of treasures that every hexagon would uh, potentially have. And there's not a lot of RP. It's mainly just, like, adventuring and exploration. Um, and then you find this tower. You go inside the tower and see if you can defeat the monster um, and all that stuff. So there's no time, like, in between for... Is there, t- is there time in between for roleplay at all? Or is it just the, just the adventuring part? There's a little time for RP. I think the main thing that um, originally from what he made was that... Um, your adventure logs is kind of the RP, and uh, he'd give you some XP if you did an adventure log. But then he added the RP chat to the Discord server, and then everybody was like really getting into RP. So the RP was mainly between downtimes, and characters would kind of like flaunt who they are and talk and just regale the people with their experiences. So that, that was like the main part of art being able to RP. There was no, like, dinner with the queen or anything like that where you get to, like, be that character. Fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'd like that too much uh, as a style. Because I really like I really like every little moment of being able to role play throughout. And, like, if the encounters happen, it, it's with a random... It could be, like, you could fight the queen if you insult her kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of idea, I like a little bit more... You know, not knowing you're just yeah, we're gonna fight some monsters today. You may fight some monsters, or you make you may make some pets. Who knows? You know. <laughs> yeah, I think the main drive is because the like the the very nature of it just being whenever I can kind of thing, and whenever you can as well. That like and this not cohesive group. I think that's what kind of pushes it to be an adventure mostly kind of thing. But there's so much. My my friends have RP'd so in that game. But, you know, I want to have this, like, kind of a tender moment every now and then between, like, an after battle and just, like, kind of licking my wounds and then just, like, talking with everyone else that's been hurt. But, yeah, I see the appeal, and I know that there's so many people that are playing that West March game right now that love it absolutely. But I don't know if, like, part of me wants to be back in there because of all the people I kind of met and talked to. But also, like, can I handle a third character death? Or will that totally just break me? Yeah, I mean, and how many people are... I'm, trying, I'm just trying to understand. Like, I, I, there's other things, too, but I'm just trying to, like, 
fully get the picture here. So how many people kind of are involved in this kind of game? So is it a lot of people or is it like a, just like a normal sized, like single adventuring party? Uh, let me see. Like at once? Yeah. Or just, I guess in general, like so how right many people? So right now there's 27, 11, that's 38. Five, Jeez. 42, 43, uh, 40, 46 people that are on the server. I have thrown in my hat to say, like, I'll DM, I'll, I'll help you out, but, uh, yeah, and there's some people who come in for one game and just leave after that. They'll take, like, a big piece of treasure and then just leave, which I'm still salty about one of our players. <laughs> and wow. then some people who are just reoccurring. And then there's some people, like Joseph, who plays in my Strahd game, he just plays every single game. So right now he's a level 8, and I think the closest level after him is a 6 or a 7 right now. So, like, they're just, it's a bunch of people just kind of, like, trying to fight for XP. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I haven't, I can't say that I've played in something like that before. But, yeah, I mean, that would be hard, I think, or th that feels like it's a machine, like, that if you lose a character, it's not as big of a deal, or it shouldn't be in the way that it's structured is how it sounds, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of designed that, yes, the West Marches are going to be deadly, so just be careful. And people kind of play to that. But to me, it doesn't... I think he's made it so, like, there's there's three choices you can have on your first, like, hit zero, three uh, death fails. is either maim, fame... Or gain. I think those are the three words. Fa Maim means you lose uh, a body part. I think fame is you do something heroic and uh, the next person who does damage or wishes to do damage gets uh, a D8 worth your level. And then the last one, I forget. Oh, you do a percentage of the monster's health. He um, incorporates the death mechanic as not like, oh, well, that's it. But like, this is your last throwing. And what do you do? How do you want to contribute to your friends and allies? Um, it's really interesting stuff. I think that's really interesting. Do you feel like if, I don't know, does it feel, do you think it would feel the same if you were in like a role play, like a, like a smaller group with more role play and all that? Do you feel like the deaths would feel more like meaningful or? You know, I've had deaths on both sides just like just the normal DD and the west march DD, and i don't know i just to me my characters are mine it hurts more when it when they die than when a game fizzles out because like you know i can use him later <laughs> but when he dies i just feel like either way i still have this attachment even if i try not to i just these ideas of what they could be and what they could become are just snap and just done and that just hurts it doesn't matter what i do if i had see I'm, I'm trying to think of a time i had a good rp game i don't think i have i think i've just mostly just been dming so i've never had that like fleshed out backstory this humble beggar come to riches kind of thing like nothing i've just had uh, mm, just regular games unfortunately nothing rp heavy because i don't know i, w I haven't been blessed that way <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry to hear that. I'm slowly realizing I haven't played D&D &D like that. <laughs> uh, this is the realization right here in this moment on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Adrian has an existential crisis. 
We call this a breakthrough. Uh, or just a break. <laughs> Adrian needs a more deep relationship with his his character and the people around him. I'm I'm fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, so I I DM and play in different games, and I don't. Yeah, I just I I that role play that like oh like it's that good stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's. You know, we had a death recently uh, in one of my campaigns that I that I play in, and that was a very interesting death because we hadn't really played that long together. But it was a group of it's a group of uh, how many of us? There's four of us, I think. How four plus the DM? So, and that's me doing math on the fly right now. I and that by math I mean counting people. That could be wrong. Um, <laughs> You know, so we so we had this death. We hadn't been playing for that long together, but you know, it was like a character that was kind of just like your classic rogue, and he was killed in a way that, like, I think he just didn't like. It was just like making a wrong choice at the wrong time and not realizing he had a potion on him and those kind of things. But like that role play, you know, situation where you know trying to connect with the other characters didn't really happen so when he was killed in this way that felt very unfulfilling in general but you know when he died it was like oh well i we don't know you you're just like this guy that we just know that we just met not that long ago i don't know like should we be crying like i don't know it feels so you know um but i feel like when when you do get those like moments of really connecting with other characters that's like when those deaths, I don't know, feel, feel, you feel something like uh, you can make other people feel something. Yeah. I guess. So I don't know. That death makes me think of like Aragon, the book versus Aragon in the movie, right? That Aragon, the book, we go into his like, I don't know, dragon trainer. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I absolutely love any sort of young adult, young child child fantasy right so in the book though i think his name is grom i don't remember i don't know i may be right and whatever that's holding on that's great so in the book we actually develop like a relationship we do like him i mean he's kind of a grumpy old man and then we learn to love him right so then when he spoiler alert when he dies you're like really moved and really sad that like now we have to go on and do this quest without our leader, without our mentor, you know, a very Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. But in the movie, they did that dirty and we're like, I don't care about this old man dying. Okay, cool. Like he's dead. Let's go. So I think that's one of those, like, you do need to build a relationship to have that death count. And it does feel, especially when you want to feel, it feels really unfulfilling to see them die and you're like okay cool like thanks yeah for sure like if if you didn't have like not that i'm not that i am endorsing harry potter in any way shape or form right now <laughs> but if you had not given snape like any sort of background or had him connect with or like give any moment of like redemption even a little bit like his death would have just been like yeah die <laughs> you know just been like we don't why why would we care about you? You've just been awful this whole time. Why are you, you know? crying? Yeah. Stop crying. <laughs> we uh 
in this neck of the woods, we are not Snape fans, regardless of their redemption arc. That's yeah. totally fair. That is valid, and that is fair. Uh, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> but yes, I understand yeah. those that, that stan our, our Snape, and they want to have that moment for him, and they understand that I just, yeah, I guess that's what you did, but it didn't work for me. I still was like, you made fun of, like, a 12-year-old because her teeth were too big. Like, mm, I don't know. I think you probably should die. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't give him any, like, anything, nobody's rooting for him. Why would anyone root for him? You know, you don't yeah. give him any fans. Or they everyone would just feel that way. Right? Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately. Anyway. We're all fans of Alan Rickman. Let's just talk about that. Oh. We're all fans of Alan Rickman single handedly made me feel for Snape. But. Yeah. That's that's it. But yeah, I think it, there's an importance of of remembering why we love that character. So maybe with this rogue, there needed to be some backstory of like their sacrifice being a an actual sacrifice. And but no, they wasn't. That's not how that's not how the world works sometimes. Oof. Oh. Okay, this is a question I wanted to ask: Have you killed anybody as a DM? I have not, uh, but I came very close, and uh, if I had, he would have deserved it, because <laughs> I, as a DM, I, I try to give every, if I feel like something is a very bad idea, I will not tell the players that they can't do the thing, I will not steer them away from the thing, and like, I will not railroad them. But if I feel like this is a really bad move, I will give them every hint <laughs> to not do the thing. But my lovely players don't often catch those drifts, and they they realize it afterwards, and they're like, "She gave us she gave us so many opportunities to not do this." <laughs> you know, it's like, don't go into the woods uh, when the party is split. Uh, there's only two of you, and there's too many bullywugs, and. Your other party member is walking away into the crowd. You still see her. You still see her walking away. She's she's in eyeshot of you in case, you know, you wanted to. Okay, we're going into the woods. Let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, and then when they almost die, it's like, well, I, I'm sorry I crit on you, but you split the party, my dude. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, I've had that, I think, last weekend. Like, they're trying to get through a door, and they're brand new players. And one of them used acid breath to break it. And then the other one's like, I found the key. I'm going to spend my turn to mend it. I'm like, okay, okay. This is like using two to three turns that you could have just been breaking down the door, but instead you're mending. Uh, and I found out today mending was a one-minute cast instead of a bonus action. Uh, oops. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big whoops on my part. Um, but yeah, so I was like, and... The, the terrain around them kept spawning monsters at uh, intervals and there was like 14 of them monsters out and I was just like okay look I, I told you what to do you guys are just like I will stand and fight and I'm like you're gonna stand and die I don't want just get out of there please <laughs> it was just hard for me not to like how do I how do I tell them again like the door is right there you got the key but they just want to like they kept trying to defend each other at one point they kept like I'm gonna wait for somebody get here i want to like make sure that i'm close enough to do something about it but they were standing like outside the door so they were just like all piled in front of the door waiting for one person instead of like doing something else like throwing stuff they're just like waiting i'll wait till our friends get in 
and then she Uh-oh. died right. She almost died right in front of the door. Someone went to go pick up. Opportunity of attack. Get hits again. And I'm like, oh, and he went down. And I'm like, oh god, they're just gonna pile bodies at this point. It was stressful. Oh. But I did. Yeah, I, that's that's so tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes you just have like, you're are, are you are you the type of DM that roots like to try to like beat them up, or are you like rooting for them, or are you like just a little bit of both? Like, are you trying to see, like, how bad you can actually... Are you trying to be opposing on them as much as you can? Uh, I have this weird 50-50. Uh, like, if they kick my car- my, my uh, NPC's asses, I'm just like, okay, I gotta get them next time. But if I kick their ass, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll do better next time. And I have a real bad problem. I have... <laughs> my goal for my next Curse of Strahd game is to kill somebody. No holding bo- punches, that kind of thing, because... I have a problem of just being a little sweetheart DM. And one of my players told me, like, if there's no fear of death, then what's the point? And I'm like, that makes sense. I sh- I'll try. I'll, I'll try. Yeah. You definitely don't want to, like, not try to hurt them at all. That's just... That's no fun, right? Uh, right. Maybe. There was, a, there was another really fun moment. Like, we're, they're going to remember this forever because they're dumbasses and I love them. <laughs> but, you know, where there didn't end up being combat. But, like, you know, it was like I, I try to make my NPCs all, like, special. Like, I, I try to, like, give them voices. I try to, like, you know, make them interesting. So, but in that case, like, my players want to talk to everybody and check out everything and, like, you know, they want to investigate as much as possible. So it's like, you know, there was like a, a a baker woman that had this bakery and she like lived above the bakery and they were looking for a kid. Like there, there was a, there was a kid that was like running around and potentially stole something from them and whatever they were trying to investigate. And they had heard that there were children like on the second floor of this bakery. And, they were like, okay, we're going to distract the baker. And then one of us is going to go upstairs and talk to the kids and see if the kids have met this other kid or whatever. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea and makes no sense, but we're going to do it because this is... we're going to see what happens. And then they get up there and, and it's, they, they fully just walk in on the other mom who is like a, a bear folk. So like a mama bear and like her two like half bear children who were like, like four years old <laughs> and like can't and they're just playing and then like of course you walk into like a mama bear's home and the mama bear is gonna like, what are you doing here? I'm I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm gonna attack you if you don't persuade me, <laughs> which is not something I ever planned on. But uh, <laughs> it's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's just like. Think about what would logically happen if you do this thing. You're going to enter combat, and you might die because you're unprepared. So, but I love them to death. So I started a game this weekend with my students, and it's one one player who has played a lot. He's this beautifully formed druid, and this druid like harnesses the power of seagulls, and so all of the spells he has are seagull themed and I'm obsessed. Like I absolutely just want to play just to see this whole thing play out. Right. But I digress because I have two other players who have never played D and D in their life. So I've got the like leader who just stepped in as leader and his character works for that. 
they have their their ability to choose their quests. They have three quests in front of them. They chose to sort of dismiss one of them and try to do it an alternative way. I was like, okay. And then they decided that we were, they were going to follow the level three quest as level one players. And I was like, are you sure you want to do this? They were like, yeah, it's great. And so to prevent them from going into it, because they're trying to, like, they're, they're going to take on a mana core if they go that route, right? So unless they've got some sort of, like, trickery plans, which Loaded I didn't dice. think they did, they were going, yeah. I mean, a mana core takes three hits every turn. So. Oh, fuck. Um, it's, or takes, yeah, takes three, yeah, whatever. Takes three hits, or gives three hits, whatever you want to say. So they're supposed to go rescue this woman, this midwife, and so they go and go head her way and I'm like oh look you see the midwife on a horse and a pack like sprinting off the other way and then they rolled to investigate to see if they can figure out which way she went and I was like no you can't it's it's a mess you don't know where she is and they were like okay well we'll just look around the town for her and we'll just see if we can find somebody who's maybe pregnant because she's a midwife and she's gonna go and you know probably help deliver a baby and so then they talked to a townsperson and they go, no, there's not any pregnant women, but sometimes young girls don't say that they're pregnant because they're unwed mothers. And so we don't know any of those because they're not around. <laughs> and like, you're just trying to save your players. Up. They were still like, we're going to find her. We're going to find her. And they're, and my druid is like, all right, I'm going to whistle and see if I can get her horse to come to us. Like very Lord of the Ringsy. And I was like, okay, I'm here for that. He rolled and rolled well enough, but not well enough to bring a horse to him because I didn't want him going that way. But instead, I gave them three horses for them to run around on, right? I figured, you know what? You got three horses. Let's go do something else. Maybe we go to the level one dungeon. Maybe we could do that. No, still didn't want to do that. They still wanted to go back. So I was like, fine. You know what? You're going to kill yourself, but let's go. So magically, they, she shows up, they chase her back home, and I still even give them enough time. Like, she was still ahead, and one of them saw a freaking manicure coming towards them, and they were like, oh man, we need to get into this, whatever, house. We need to get into this house. I was like, no, you could just run away. Like, you don't have to. And they were like, no, we're going to go into the house. Okay, well, the entrance is barred. You can't go in through the front door. Just a, a random house. Just a, any someone's house. <laughs> yeah, just some, like, let's just go in there. And it's a, so it's a windmill house, right? So there's a, let's say that there's a window up, up, up there. And I was like, hey, like, you get one turn to try to figure your way out of this before the manacore comes and, like, tries to eat you. So what do they do? They throw a freaking rope up there and then hit three nat 20s back to back. So they all managed to get up this stupid freaking rope into this house. And I was like, okay, from here, what do we do? Okay. These motherfuckers <laughs> are like, is there oil in this house? And I was like, of course there's oil in the house. And they're like, okay, we take an oil, we find a blanket, and then we light it on fire, drop it on this manacore. And I was like, Fuck. okay, fine. You, you hit it. It's on fire now. Awesome. <laughs> what do they do? They decide that they're going to jump out of the freaking window and stab this manacore 
from above. <laughs> and what do they do? They roll perfectly every freaking time. Every single time. And wow. I gave the mana core disadvantage for a minute just so not not for a whole minute, but for a little bit of time. Because Right, it's on fire. It makes sense that it really wouldn't be able to see anything, and it's just wildly swinging its tail and its little paws and everything. And no, these these motherfuckers level one destroyed a mana core, taking two hits, so a total loss of like ten HP. That's it. Mad respect. I've never been like, so frustrated in my whole life. They're gonna think they're invincible now, and are gonna give it do. Push you even further, Alex. <laughs> I can't. What I'm new here. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's major behavior of uh, people who are used to playing video games and <laughs> think they can just go places and it'll be fine. The worst of all of this is that it's not the two who don't know what they're doing, right? It's not them who are like, yeah, let's go do this. They kept. They were fine. They were like, all right, let's go see the gnomes. And then my player, my, like, longtime champion player, was like, no, we're going to fucking find this goddamn midwife. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm killing you guys. Like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. You died today. <laughs> um, they didn't. Wow, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that, that truly, though, reminds me of my players. It's, it's a very similar feel to that. Yeah, them, like... I had an experience of them like trying to get on top of like the roofs of these, this like series of apartment buildings and like trying to jump from roof to roof and having to like make a strength check to break the fire escape, to use it as a ladder to get across like stupid shit. And at the end of it, it's like, all right, uh, cool. You don't find anything. Cause there's nothing up here to find. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? You know, like, or like, you know, you make enough noise that the people inside the apartment buildings notice you're there and they're going to the police. Like, you're, 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 you're breaking things and trying to get on top of their roofs. Like, what is happening? And they have a good time, though. And that's the thing. Like, at the end of it, as long as they've had a good time, you know, they feel like they've done something. And... And truly, like, when your players, you know, talk about it in between sessions or, you know, when they, when they like, send memes or, you know, remember those stupid adventures, it, that's, that's really what makes it all worth it to me, you know? Even if I disagree with their methods, it makes it for a good time. Have you ever, like, they rolled a nat 20 and then you feel like, well, they rolled a nat 20. Should I give them something? Or do you just like, nah, there's nothing there. You found a completely empty room and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what they're rolling for. I'm trying to think of something specific. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, they rolled really high on an investigation check for a room once that I wasn't, I really wasn't even expecting anything to be in there. And and I, I was just like, whatever, you need a clue. And I hadn't really fleshed out the mystery yet. So I was like, you found a note by someone who's named this that I came up with on the spot. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to come up with who this person is and what the deal is later. But for right now, it's like, just come up with something and you'll have to work it in later on. 
but that's that's miles more entertaining than you know you don't find anything for sure for sure I also have one of those. So my my family group is cur- they currently have a key to something, and they have some letters with the initials like JB on there, and that's it. That's all they know, and that's all I know. So I haven't I haven't even gotten that far either. But they're gung ho to figure out what what is this mystery, and I I'm like yeah sure let's go. I don't whatever it is. I'm yes. I've, yeah, I've like. I've done it before, and like, I, and I put the key in. I'm like, wait, what key? I'm like, oh yeah, that key. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. I'm like, oh, what am I? What was I planning on that? Like, I've made stuff, planned for it to do something, and then just totally forget about it midway through. I've also had like, I found a whole person on like, inside the dirt, because like, they were trying to find something, that was marked on a, a map. I was gonna just say, that somebody already took it because that would have been easy but then they started like pulling out spells and using everything i'm like they're using so much effort how do i not like give them like yes please use effort to find all these cool things but i didn't plan anything there so i gave them a bag of holding with a uh, gnome inside so that was fun yeah i mean we could ha- you could have an entire episode of just shit i came up with for my players that <laughs> you know like dm improv on the spot that's but what I want. I want like people to write in to talk about their like most ridiculous demon experience of we were trying to do the thing and I just said fuck it and then gave them whatever. I want Yeah. Those. Yeah. I had another this was this was just like a when somebody was so desperate for a magic item just like looking everywhere and it's like I felt like I, I hadn't really given her enough stuff yet. It was, you know, still like pretty new, but I feel like I've been giving people things to do and like things more tailored to them so when she was really looking for a magic item at like a random you know shop or whatever even though i know magic items you shouldn't be able to buy magic items at shops it's just not it just becomes you know too much so but i did it was like a random kind of thrift shop type of deal where even the shop owner didn't really know what everything was it was just kind of like so many things and i she rolled pretty high on investigation. So I just gave her a random trinket that I came up with what, why it was magical later. But that's my deal. It's just like, if they go off the rails, I just have to come up with something that I have to note for later to, to make that more entertaining. But yeah. Nice. But character death. Um, Yeah. Don't worry about (laughs) it. We've, I've totally like, I had that mentality at the beginning of making this podcast, but it's just so much, you know, more, you know, to go with the flow, flow, and that's kind of how conversation should go. And yes, we'll kind of, kind of come back. And I guess we can. We'll, on that note, we will continue on to death. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. It's okay. That's what I'm here for. I appreciate it. Keep uh, us on track. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I actually did uh, something. I kind of glossed over uh, talking about the the death of the character in the game that I'm a a PC in what he's ended up doing after that character death is actually take on the role of the NPC that we were fighting against during like the battle we were in, there was a were tiger that we were fighting against and the were tiger didn't kill him. Mind you, he was just, he fell into a pit because he missed a jump and was eaten by some piranhas but the were tiger was our main opponent and after so like the next session he ended up being the were tiger 
as a character. And I think that he's, it seems at this point that he's going to continue on playing that character, which I think is a very interesting, an interesting aftermath. I think it's great. It's so hard after a character dies that to tie in a newcomer into the group. Cause like I've had like, I've had like sessions and a half trying my best to sew a new player back in because of either death or just new a new person altogether and it's sometimes like it's doable and other times it's just like he's literally running away from the party and i'm like what do i do do i just let him run and just like okay now you're now you can't play for a little bit now i have to play with these people i don't know it's just been tough (laughs) i think that's a big part of the role as a dm in order to like give the characters a good reason if you're sewing in a new character you know give them a reason why they would have to work together and i think that definitely goes by like thinking about what your players motives are oh yeah i've got a good hanker on it now but it's sometimes it's like easy as pie and other times it's like pulling teeth but yeah i need I, it's hard for me because like they some of their personalities are just like one of the characters was literally just like I'm just here to figure things out. And I'm like, okay, well, these people know a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to go on my own. And I'm like, okay, uh, let me, okay. Uh, And I had a whole session where I was playing him by himself and then having to cut back to the party and let them do their own thing and then cut back to the single guy. I just felt, I felt bad. I mean, there's always a time for you to just go do your own thing. Like the rogue sneaking around or the um, cleric kind of talking to the holy man. These kind of like pinnacle things. But there's just other parts where just like, I, I need, these people came to play too, so I, I need you to help me out a little. Like, I can give you a, you know, a carrot and a stick or like something to lead you there. But if you like totally turn the other way, how do I turn you back without just making it feel like I'm just railroading you? Like, I'm trying to tie it in as best as I can, kind of stuff. But maybe throughout the, you know, times I play, I'll figure it out and I'll be like, <laughs> past Adrian's such an idiot it's so easy well time will tell well I think part of it is having characters or, or like understanding your role as a player in the larger sequence right it's not just me playing with Adrian it's me and all of our other friends also playing and so I think it's important as a character or a like PC to like remember that it's not just about you and if you feel like you're kind of being a jerk and hogging the spotlight then like let it go whatever you want to do let it go it's not about just you playing it's about you and this group and if you forget that as a player then you're spoiling the fun for everybody and then you're making it harder for your dm but if you want like a one-off spinoff like talk to your dm but don't drag everybody else through this like side quest that you want to do unless you know it's pertinent to the story yeah. Also, I'm not I'm like I'm not telling you what to do, but if you have a jerk player who's doing that and wanting to go off on their own all the time, just give them a couple of really hard <laughs> like give them a scenario where they cannot defeat this alone and they need other people to help them. Just give them a mimic. Mm. Sorry about your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, well, you're going to be off on your own. Cool. But like, how long can you survive on your own? There's stuff out there that's going to kill you. So. I like your thinking. I like your thinking. I guess then you just capture them, right? You make it impossible for them to escape. (laughs) And then you have the rest of the party either help them or not. 
Ooh, I like that idea. I like them being captured and them having to be recovered by the party. I like that. Because it gives them their playtime, and then now it's the group's playtime, and that'd be easily kind of like exchanged. And there's a reason why we're not going back to that single person. Yeah, because he's just sitting in, <laughs> just sitting in a, a little box. It's like, mm. <laughs> yep, you can't get out. No, nope, you made one. You made one check to escape, and you can't do it again. That's it. You have a ten-minute timer, and then we'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. Like and hopefully that'll be a lesson learned. Yeah, but, hopefully. You know. <laughs> they're just like they level up, and they're like, okay, now I can do it. <laughs> Players are fun. Oh yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Like everybody's so, such individuals and in what they want out of the game, and I think, I think we just like have to try to make an effort if you're playing. If you're playing with like a limited set of characters, I guess, like if you're playing with like five PCs or whatever that are a regular reoccurring group, you know, to have that conversation at the beginning about like, okay, well, like, what do you want out of it? <laughs> you know, or like keep that open dialogue so that like, if you're not having a good time, you know, that you can let people know and it won't feel like you won't feel guilty about communicating with your DM or the other players, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense, of course. And I've run a group where we did split the party and it made sense. Like we ended up getting a quest and then half of us wanted to do one thing and the one person wanted to do the other. And we as a group were okay with that. Like that was, that was fine. And it was sort of fun because then we ended up having two different objectives. So the group that I was in was trying to stop this painting from being put into the wrong hands. And then the other one was like, no, fuck it. Like, let's give them the painting. They're going to give us money for it. Who cares? And so it was then like a trial of who can get the thing done faster and try to uncover the mystery of what's going on. And it was really enjoyable. So I think there is a way to play that. And if you have players who are like, yeah, that's fine. Let's split the party. And like, it wasn't, nobody was mad about it, like at all. It was sort of nice because then you get to like hang out with your friends and not really have to play D&D &D, and then. And then you get to like problem solve without the pressure of your DM listening to you. And then, and then you just switch. So then you've got your, your, you know, your next tasks all lined up of what you think you could do. And then that gives the other half of the party or the other person, like the ability to think about the sneaky things that they're going to do. So I think there, there could be fun ways to do that. But once again, you have to have the buy-in from everybody, DM, PCs, and I guess that's it. There's nobody else involved. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's there's definitely ways that splitting the party can be beneficial or like, you know, can be fun for all. But again, you know, you never know when you're going to be overwhelmed by the amount of monsters that you encounter that was, you know, maybe leveled for a larger party when the DM initially made the group of uh, the encounter. But, you know, whether or not that's the smart thing, <laughs> hope you're having a good time, you know? I guess we have to get into real stuff, unfortunately. Uh, part of the degrees, part of the the, the podcast. But it's, I mean, in all honesty, Lauren, this has been great. So I love talking shop with y'all. Oh, good. Um, but yeah. We'll... Yeah. So here, let's talk about death in the real world. What? <laughs> That's it's spooky. You know what? I'm gonna take it. It is spooky season. It is Ooh. time. To talk about dying, we have all these things coming up, Halloween, Dia de los Muertos, 
Let's is do that it. feminine? Is that a feminine word? Am I? Is it Dios more tos? los muertos. It's no, it's not. Masculine. See. <laughs> it's okay. I took French in high school, so that's my. That's your out. That's my out. I'll talk about someone, real quick. So, my friend Levi, kind of, who's like one of the, you know, better DMs I've known in when I lived in Lubbock, and it was really great. He was really life of the party, and he passed away. I want to say like a year and a half ago now, due to cancer, and you know, him and his brother, or his brother plays a like anniversary game with his his old friends uh, on like the either his birthday or just like once a year I forget if it's like on a specific day but I don't know I think that even through death it can inspire us to be closer with other individuals like every time I you know I have a time to think about him I'm like you know part of me feels like I wouldn't be as active if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have this bigger dream if it wasn't for him so I think that through death, beauty can happen. I know it's sad. I knew I was sad, but I think in the end, death is what you make it, much like life. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, I think these types of games can be a really good way to kind of process and to it can help grieving. It can help, you know, the, like overall, like. In, in various ways, I guess, depending on your on your situation. And and you said you, you play in that game? Uh, no, I do not. It was, like, his main group. Like, so, gotcha. But he, he would come by my work, and we'd talk shop, and we'd talk about the games we played. And, you know, he's like, there's a literal road that just runs into a mountain and disappears. It doesn't make sense. It's, the, it's hollow, so they should just walk through it. Instead, they decide to climb up the mountain. And that was, like... The, first time we started laughing about the D&D and I'm like I want to be that kind of DM like that has these memorable moments with our players even after kind of thing yeah yeah I uh I'm you know of course I'm sorry to hear about your loss that's that's hard you know if you have a friend like that um it's fine I mean it's I you know I cherished what I've had with them and you know as someone who's kind of like it's not hmm how do I say this? It'll happen eventually to us all. And the way he lived, I don't feel like he had a regret. And I feel like that, you know, me aspiring to be that way is kind of how I would remember him. And so I don't feel like sadness about it anymore. I did at the funeral and everything, but I think it's, I don't know. He lived a beautiful life and maybe, and that's what I want. Well, that's great. That's great that you think of it that way and that you can you can remember him in that way. I um I I have my own experiences obviously with with, with death and dying and uh and and I think processing that and grieving continuing to grieve through role playing. My my brother actually passed away um how many years like Eight years, eight plus years ago now, almost actually nine, I think almost. Uh, and that was really, that was really tough for me. He was like my older brother, um, you know, and that was something that I, that I dealt with uh, for a long time. But, uh, you know, more recently when I started playing games and I could kind of 
you know, realizing I could do anything. I, I've always, I feel like I've always had these, this like brother complex where I'm just like, I like, if, if I meet guys that I really like, I just want to make them my big brother. I just like want to like have that, you know, but like when I got to, you know, make my first character, uh, Aveline, she had a brother that uh, left when she was younger. Um, they were really close. And then he left to go to like the new land and cause he was forced to leave. And when she became older and was able to leave herself, it's like her, it's the part the like starting point in the game is her trying to find him. So she's off to like, try to find where he went and see if she can find him again. And I think for me, like in a weird way, that is sort of me like trying to find him again and like try to like have that connection with my real life brother you know, even though he's, he's gone, you know, but that's something for me that like helps me connect with Aveline in a way that that's on a deeper level than just like, you know, just a story that I came up with, you know? Yeah. And that's something we did talk about last week with the like therapeutic aspect of Dungeons and Dragons and really the way that you can work through things that come up in your life so you know working through like the loss of a sibling the loss of a person the loss of a major staple in your life and like not only being able to work those through those emotions through somebody else's shoes but also having that ability to pay tribute in like your everyday activities I think that is the most like magical part of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Cause I, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I would just assume that I would be like, yes, this is, this is like a different way to celebrate their life. This is a different way for me to connect with them, you know, through storytelling and through the ability to like relive those, maybe relive some of those emotions and sort of a, I know it's, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, I, just a way to like treasure everything that you have yeah and I think also for me anyway I think in a world where you can literally make anything happen you can make anything come true like magic is real (laughs) you know what why wouldn't I try to see if I can have a brother that it may still be alive in the world you know I don't know maybe that's I don't know no, 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 no. It feels That's weird good. when I say it out loud, but like, you know, when you, when anything is possible, why not make what you want to be possible, I guess. It, it does make sense. I don't Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the best thing about having any sort of fiction in your life is that you can, you know, rewrite your endings. You can think about the way things might have been or, you know, try to work through the same problem, but in a different way. And that's, I think really nice and I think that is one of the like best aspects of the like healing side of D&D of like yeah you can you can do that it's you know the delineation of am I doing this all the time so I avoid my real world problems and then having that sort of turn into that addiction or just this is just what I'm doing along with my life and I can grieve and I can think about and I can process all of this stuff I think it's you know we want the things in life that we I mean, we, we want the things in, in game that we can't always have in life. Like, I think one of my first times DMing, my player wanted, and I said this in, like, I think the last 
F, but he wanted immortality for his character. And I felt like, okay, I, I'll see if I can try to swing that somehow, some way, become a deity or something. But like, part of me was looking at all the other characters and what they wanted, and it kind of aligned to him. And this guy I never met, I'm like, does he just like wish for that in real life too? And that's this is how he's kind of like pursuing it because that's what's on his mind that's what's on his character's mind it's easy to become part of your character if you put part of you in it as well and i think that was just like kind of eye-opening to me like how much of your person do you put into your character and like how how much emotion kind of comes from that well all three of us in this conversation have a hard time removing their emotions completely from their character so (laughs) true (laughs) Maybe we get another opinion. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm the wrong person on this podcast. <laughs> you're looking for a different opinion. These aren't the opinions yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a storytelling game, and, you know, we kind of match these stories, and sometimes we want to be the hero in the story. So what can we do other than put ourselves into it? Yeah, I think if you're not putting yourself into your characters, it's like, just go play a video game. Like, (laughs) not to say that you can't play it that way, I guess. But for me, that's just how I feel about it. Like, it's just not as fun if you can't have just a little bit of something of yourself in it. And that is a big risky take when your characters can die and you can get hurt by it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We take our risks. So on the serious side, do you guys have death plans, just casually? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like cremation or like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, what's your plan? My Tell plan? me about your plan, dog. <laughs> I got it. yeah. Peggy said she is going to live forever. Oh, God. Good. <laughs> Good. Yep. You're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you tell him. Sounds in agreement. Like, I know where my stuff's gonna go. Like that. Like, my computer's gonna go to my brother, and then that's it. I don't have anything really valuable. I have a bunch of debt, and I hope that doesn't transfer to anybody, so there's that. It will. No worries. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't care, really. You know, cremation's fine, burial's fine, whatever's the cheapest, and whatever y'all want to do, because, like, I'm done, okay? Like, I don't have any... There's no... I don't got much say after that. I tell you what, cremation, cheaper. Just tell you that right now. (laughs) Don't even have to guess. That's the truth. Yeah. and No guesswork. (laughs) I just think that, like, you know, those are my wishes, but whatever they want to do, or whatever makes them feel better, I think that whatever like if they want to adorn my body with all this stuff sure why not i'm not the one that needs to be consoled at that point it's them so i'm fine with that my dad is very adamant about just throw me in a cardboard box i'll be fine so i think that i mean i get that similar like you know once you're done you're done mentality from him so those are my plans i don't have any i don't have much oh my dog yeah that's important uh yeah i'll go to my dad my dad loves my dog so i'll do that are we treating this podcast as your living will? Or is this... Yeah. Are we listing all our stuff off and who it's going to go to? Sure. That... I don't have anything written, so this is good as, you know, good as law at this point. Yeah, this is law. This is 
binding. I just wrote it in uh, crayon, therefore it is legal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is, yeah. You all are my witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how the law works. That's law. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I try not to think about death too much for, for myself, but I'm like, I think cremation is the way to go. It's also just like, I don't know. There's been there's been so much, like I've just seen so much like death and funerals and all kinds of stuff and flooding and things like that is uh, is a hard thing to think about as well when you're like where you're going to be buried and if you're buried in a place like where I'm from where you know flooding happens and can raise up the dead uh, from the coffins, not the most ideal of scenarios. If you're going to go in the ground, you can come back up. If the earth doesn't want you back. That was dark and I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounded like a no. tagline of a horror book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if the ground doesn't want you. Yeah, it's uh I think cremation's the way to go because I think there's there's a lot of people that are just or a lot of not even people, it's just remains that are in coffins in the ground and we can only take up so much space. For, you know? Yep. Alex, the expert. Uh, look, a long time ago, I was a young person on YouTube and ran across a channel called Ask a Mortician. And so from a young age, I was like, you know what? Let's listen. So now we listen to our patron saint, Caitlin Doty, and we love her and we get every book and just listen to everything that she has to say, right? So if you need some some exploration in death and dying, Ask a Mortician on YouTube is a great place to start. It's not anything too gruesome, right? It's not anything awful, but I think it is an important conversation to have. I know my spouse and I talk about it a lot, about what would happen if one of us were to die. And I think that's an important part because it is a very stressful time. My dad had a heart attack ooh, 2015. And I just remember we were in Lubbock and then having to drive six hours to get to the hospital. And he was still in surgery, you know, and then sitting there waiting for, I don't, I can't even tell you how long we sat there while he was in surgery. And then just, he was on life support for, I think, almost a week, two weeks. And just thinking about that experience and then like the stress that it like was associated, I can't even imagine trying to then schedule a funeral or do some sort of service or figure out, you know, what to do. There was no price checking. There's no, there's no time to like shop around for what, you know, what you would want. So that's why this is a real world aspect of our podcast that I think it is a very important thing. And I know it does make a lot of people like, oh, well, I'm not going to be here. So who cares? And then that not that not that I'm judging you for it. Right. But that does, I feel like, give your family a disservice of if I had everything put together or if I had an idea or I had a listing and I could like provide that for you. That's like my last thing that I can do to help before I'm now not a corporeal body on this earth or whatever happens after death or whatever, you know, maybe you just 
go back into Stardust and that's just where we live from then on. But um, yeah, I'm all for a direct, direct cremation is the word and phrasing that you want to use with your funeral director if you want a cremation. Do not get your body embalmed. You don't need it. Bodies decay naturally and it's okay. Embalming, I just, I've been to funerals where I've seen people embalmed and you're like, that's just, it still feels weird. Like I would rather see you as a dead body and understand that your, you know, face is going to be sunken in. And I mean, you're not going to be like decaying in front of me. You're not going to be like a walking corpse, right? There's ice packs and there's, you know, less, uh, I was going to say sexy, but that feels like the wrong word. Yikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not the word I wanted, but it was one that came in and I tried grasping for another one. And I was like, no, that's it. That's the only one. There's just less like. Yeah. Less sex appeal. I get it. No, I get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think less. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get banned. Uh, last episode. How about that? <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, there, there are a lot of... Go Sorry, go ahead. Jinx. Oh, if we're going to talk about it like being a performance, like a, like less stage ready, right? It's all the stuff behind the scenes. It's, you know, the, the ice packs to keep you cool. So then you're not disintegrating right there in front of your loved ones. But I mean, the other part of me is like, that's what happens, man. Like that's, you do. We're just flesh bags ready to, to take our last breath and go. It got away from me. I'm sorry, y'all. It's all good. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what you were looking for. That's those are the yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a very interesting point that you make about about that being like the last, like that's something that you can do for your loved ones by like having a plan for yourself because nobody's, I don't think anybody's really planning for some other people as far as like, when you die, we're going to do this to you, right? It's like when mm-hmm. when that person dies, it's like, well, if they don't have a plan, then someone has to make that plan. And when someone's dead or dying, when your loved ones are in the process of trying to grieve, it is hard to add. Like that's so many decisions to make on top of all of the emotional feelings that you have. So, yeah, that is a very that's a very good point to to that you're actually doing someone else a service by having like a uh, a wish for if this were to happen you know what would I want yeah and it's a lot of money so I just google searched like the average cost of a burial in Texas right now is almost seven thousand dollars so if you pass away and you don't have that seven thousand dollars just to be like liquidated immediately then your family is is trying to find that those resources and that's that's really hard and there's you know there's a lot of other things that go in like what did you do did you do a whole like did you do a whole service did you find a funeral home that is willing to work with you or did they find the embalming package and say yes we want them to look like they're alive even though they're dead so yeah yeah, there's a lot of things and you know I think it's funny that that feels like more of our generation thing to think about. Like it is a younger thing to be aware that I am going to die. And I want to make sure that my family is still taken care of. And I try to have this conversation with my parents who are closer to death 
than I think they want to be. But especially having a, a parent who had a moment where it they weren't alive for a second and then we had to deal with like what if you're not here and how how do we go on and move on and then yeah you're grieving and so you're stressed out there and then you probably have family coming in and that's a whole mess especially depending on your family and then you're talking about a financial burden of well if I don't do this right then my loved one is going to somehow not be treasured in the way that I want them to be memorialized or, you know, remembered or understood. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, should I feel bad that I don't have a plan? You know, part (laughs) of it, I wonder is if it's cultural because traditionally like Hispanic families don't think about that. Right. So it's not a conversation usually it's like okay i die then that's it sorry you can put me on neurofrenda and that's it yeah i i don't the only i mean i've had so many uncles die in my life it just kind of happens and i was so young that it didn't really affect me so i don't know what like if they had a plan but most of my uncles died pretty young too or young as in like 50s 60s instead of like 80s or 90s like it was just tough um but to me in my young brain it was just like okay i guess i never get to see my uncle again i never really had the only funerals i've cried at were at ones with friends because they had a bit i guess more presence in my life and i don't know as someone that who has kind of like experienced it so unfrequently i just it really varies, especially now that I take my meds, um, <laughs> if I'm going to cry a lot or if I'm just going to feel a little less there. Yeah, I remember I had a friend pass away in high school um, my sophomore year, no, my junior year in high school. And I remember that being the biggest instance of like a just a monumental change in my life because I had a grandfather pass away but I didn't think much about it because he was not present in my life and so him not being on this earth was just the same as him being on this earth because I didn't talk to him I didn't see him we didn't have social media so there's no way to like keep up with him so you know I had my friend and then he passed away in a car accident So that was even more traumatic because junior year, you're getting your driver's license and excited to get on the road. And like right before I turned 16, he passed away and I was like, oh, well, I guess I don't need that. I'm good. Thank you. I will I will move on with my life and maybe I I don't get my license because I could die. But then I remember seeing like going to his viewing and just remembering that that's just I mean, that's it. That's that's where you are. And then to have so many people just sit there and and just be so sad, it makes a, a I don't know, it just shifts your view. Like, oh, this is not permanent. I only have so many breaths in this life. And really making sure that you are sort of doing what you want to do on some level and making sure that you are feeling happy and fulfilled and if that's what you want, I guess you can feel unhappy if you wanted. That's too. That's fine too. But at least for me and mine, I want to be 
leave some sort of legacy and it doesn't have to be a big one but that was a really rambly way to get there if you're unhappy <laughs> i want you to be happy though just saying i want you to be happy too adrian and lauren i want you to be happy thank you <laughs> <laughs> now i thank you guys yeah i want you guys to be happy too <laughs> you don't, I, you don't yeah. have to say it you know no, I, mean. I have to, I have to say it, or else I'll implode. Uh, <laughs> I think I don't know. Yeah, that's a big, big thing to think about when you're in high school. Like, hey, I'm gonna die, and like, what do I do? And then now, in your 30s or 20s or whatever, like, this is how I take care of my family when I'm gone, and this is probably gonna be the last thing I do. Scary. I think at the end of it, it's like, you know, to, to answer your question, like, should you feel bad not having a plan? I think it's, no, don't feel bad not having a plan. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know your age, but you seem pretty, pretty young as well. So it's like, you know, maybe, maybe not feel bad for having, not having a plan now, but maybe consider having a plan later, you know? I, I am 26 and I keep thinking I'm 27. Uh, it's just... <laughs> But yes, that's not that's not an age where you usually like plan to like, ah, oh, yes, I should have one by now. It's like I should be on that already. You know, but it's like after, <laughs> after this point, it's like, oh, maybe think about having one. Yeah. Um, so, no, don't feel bad. I appreciate it. How do we wrap this up without having such a, a, a bleak? We just just love what you're doing. Have good conversations with people who are around you that you care about play D and D work through your issues, make those connections. And maybe that's the secret to life. Play D and D follow your dreams. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I guess, uh, if you want people to care about you in real life, it's the same. If you want people to care about you in your D and D world, <laughs> be, be involved make friends have a good time that was beautiful what a great way yeah what a great way to wrap that up oh my gosh thank you so much for being back <laughs> you're amazing thanks for having yeah. me yeah um, yeah lauren where can we find you on the internet uh yes uh you can find me on instagram at lauren nicole art I have uh, links in my bio to all the cool things that I do, like some D&D videos that I've done and all the all my art stuff is uh, you can find me there. Or you can find me on Twitter uh, at Lauren Kalaz, L-A-U-R-E-N-K-A-L-O-Z. All right. Yay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks right. so much well, for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks so much for listening. You guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I think we have a Twitch as well yes we do anything else adrian are missing <sighs> twitch instagram website twitter that's it dan yeah dan degrees pod on a lot of those uh usernames you can also email us at dan degrees pod at gmail.com we do have a website up if you go to our twitter you can find the link to that um we're working on getting a like not like a real legitimate one so Shout out to Carleen if she ever listens to this, that we are forever in your debt. Feel free to email us, slide into our DMs, let us know your favorite or I guess your least favorite moment as a DM. 
with your characters doing something ridiculous. At some point, my dog will stop barking, so you don't have to keep hearing that as I talk. Nope. <laughs> keep on going. Help us grow our listenership and recommend us to a friend. Give us five stars and only five stars. If you rate anybody less than five stars, Mimic will come eat all of your right socks. And then you're, you're out all of your right socks for the rest of your life, and that's stupid. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> my name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. Go have some fun. <laughs>